Can the Fed learn how to skip? And forest fires in Quebec, some other miners. This is to Kick a Roundtable, sponsored by Snowline Gold. I'm your host, Michael McRae. Paul Harris is here. Hey, Michael. Good afternoon. And with us is Steve DeJong. He is CEO of Verify. If you've ever dropped on a junior's website, you've probably seen Verify's tech explaining and benchmarking the company. Steve is also a director at Integra Resources. Steve, welcome back to Roundtable. Yeah, thanks for having me. Steve, there's really a lot to talk about. You also did a bit of a fundraise at uh, Verify. Firstly, Apple announced his augmented reality headset this week. Let's tease this out with a one-word response. Steve, bullish or bearish regarding augmented reality headsets? Bullish. Paul. Can you get any more real than this? <laughs> I'll take that as bearish. The answer, of course, is bullish. Uh, let's turn to macro. Precious metal trading was quieter end of week as markets looked ahead for a busy U.S. data week, including a CPI release and the FOMC meeting. Markets are wondering if the Federal Reserve will once again ratchet up interest rates or skip. Last month, the feeling was skip until the Labor Department released an unusually strong labor report. Next week's CPI report could force the Fed's hands if the data is unusually strong. Last check, gold was in the 1980s and silver at the 24 level. China's economy is cooling, that according to analysts. China's producer price index unexpectedly dropped in May down to a 4.6% year-on-year, the biggest drop in seven years. MSNBC says in a report that economic data in China points to a disappointing recovery from China's strict COVID lockdown measures as the economy struggles with softening demand and falling exports. Last check, copper features were in the 380 range and a barrel of oil was at $70 level. Uh, next up, mining. But first, our sponsor, Snowline Gold, ticker SGT on the TSX Venture and SNWGF on the OTCQB, is a shining new light on Canada's Yukon. They are actively exploring dozens of targets on one of the territory's largest mineral portfolios, covering over 280,000 hectares. Snowline is going big. They're focused on their district-scale greenfield gold discoveries, and they're well on their way to finding world-class gold deposits. With an aggressive 18,000-meter drill program underway, the team is focusing on advancing their valley discovery, described as one of the most significant discoveries in Canada in recent history by Be Gold CEO Clive Johnson. Snowline is backed by some of the best. Significant shareholders include Vita Gold, Keith Newmar, and Crest Cat Capital. Follow the 2023 exploration program at snowlinegold.com, ticker SGD on the DSX Venture. That's Snowline Gold, and we thank them for their support. Paul, what were those mining headlines? Lots this week, Michael. First up, Marathon Gold announced the sale of an additional 1.5% Net Smelter returns royalty on its Valentine Gold project, Newfoundland and Labrador in Canada, to Franco Nevada for 45 million US dollars, putting in Franco Nevada holding an aggregate 3% NSR on the project. Marison said the overall project progress is 27% complete, with 403 million Canadian dollars as the remaining cost complete. Major gold miner B2 Gold increased its ownership in New Canada Exploration Junior and Kitco Roundtable sponsor Snowline Gold through buying stock in the open market. B2 Gold bought an initial 5% stake in the Junior in March for 19.2 million Canadian and has since increased its position to 9.9%. B2 Gold also has pro rata rights to maintain its ownership future equity financings. Also in buying mood this week was Benchmark Metals, which is to acquire Thesis Gold for a 26% premium to create one of the largest precious metals development and exploration companies in the Tugogon mining district of British Columbia. 
the transaction consolidate benchmarks Lawsit, which hosts a measured and indicated resource of 3.1 million ounces of gold equivalent with Thesis's ranch project. Arizona Sonoran reported positive preliminary common leach metallurgical extraction rates using Rio Tinto's Newton Technologies, the first instance of Newton sharing results of its test. Primary sulfide extraction ranges from 61% to 82% based on five columns. Primary sulfides excluded from Arizona Sonora's preliminary economic assessment and the pending pre-feasibility study comprise 25% of the total mineral resource. Arizona Sonoran is looking to complete a pre-feasibility study in early 2024. Now for the bad news. The U.S. Army Corps of Engineers revoked a federal permit for the proposed copper nickel mine in Minnesota on the grounds that they comply with the water quality standards of a sovereign downstream Native American tribe. The Corps had previously suspended the Clean Water Act Section 404 permit, but it said New Range can submit a new permit application with modifications. New Range is a 50 joint venture between Polymet Mining and Tech Resources that aims to build a $945 million, 32,000 tonne per day operation to produce about 1.2 billion pounds a year of copper, plus nickel, cobalt and precious metals for more than 20 years. Finally today, hundreds of fires across Quebec have seen exploration and mining companies suspend operations and withdraw personnel as a safety precaution. Quebec's Ministry of Natural Resource and Forests announced prohibitions regarding forest access on Crown lands and forestry roads for reasons of public safety. Smoke from the fires has also created an air pollution issue in New York City far to the south. Steve, I'd like to bring you back. Uh, you announced a $6 million Canadian raise for Verify. Uh, who's it with and what's it for? So that, um, Thanks, Michael. It's uh, co-led by two investors, RCF Jollymont, so Resource Capital Funds, a big mining investor in the space. Uh, one of their funds is a mining technology fund. Um, so backed by RCF Jollymont, uh, incredible team over there, and B Capital. And BD with a, BD with a D. Uh, there's a there's a BD with a T as well in this sector. Sorry, my phone's ringing. Um, uh, BD Capital as well out of Vancouver. So also uh, big mining investors hold a big position in Artemis Gold and, and others also investors as well. So for us, it's um, we've gone through this sort of four year almost uh, we almost call it the science project stage with Verify where we're, we're kind of tinkering and getting our technology up and running and we've got an incredible market fit and now we're raising capital to just start to scale our business and we've grown over 100% just in the last year and this is the objective here is two things I guess it's really pour fuel on the fire as we start to scale our business across the sector and number two start to look at other technologies and there's some interesting the AI elements and some other things we're working on. Uh, talk about uh, the growth uh, that you see there, Steve. Uh, what what do you see? I mean, uh, what is it? You know, there's definitely. I, I always see the advantage with Verify because it, it's one of those things that uh, you can provide. Uh, how would you say like a commonality across uh, all of these uh, individual uh, juniors that they're out there? And I mean, last checked on the uh, TSX, I think there was just under a thousand that were listed. Yeah. Um... The, the growth is, I think, is is a couple of things. First off, everyone needs to think differently. It's it's sort of, we often get asked, well, the, the mining market is exactly kind of um, a raging bull market right now. So how is your business sort of accelerating through this? And a lot of it is, I think, it's we're in this environment now where the world has changed. Um, the due diligence process has changed. The personality and persona of the investor has changed. So we need to think of a new way to communicate with them. And we're really trying to fill that gap. 
Um, the other thing for us as a business, and you mentioned you'd, you'd seen Verify in a lot of different company websites. Verify, when we started, was much more take an interactive 3D model, put it on a website, have somebody click through it. And what we realized is that still only services a small of the market, the, the person who can click through um, technical content and understand what they're looking at. And our business has really transformed. Now it's much more, um, you'll see a lot more videos of CEOs and executives um, using their 3D and, and their interactive component story. So they're annotating on it and they're they're kind of giving voiceovers and things like that. Um, and that's where we've really, I think, that that component and that, that transition in our business is that, that extra layer of adding a narrative to it. So it's somebody, it's not just you're sending someone um, serial and expecting them to understand what it says, but you're actually able to add your uh, conviction and your passion and your your sort of narrative behind it. That's really that's the transition that's that's taken place for our business, and that one is 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 like we're just it's literally exploding right like exploding right now. Like Q1 for us was uh, Q1 for us was we grew our revenue grew four hundred percent more than Q1 the year previously, and we're not seeing that stop anytime soon. We were told to put our hands up, Paul. I see you. I see you waving it at there. <laughs> Yes, no, I think that's really good because one of um, the, let's say, the criticism I have of some executives is that they're just very dry when they present, present and when they talk about their story. So anything that uh, can help them or help, can enhance that, whether it's via AI, some of the other tools that you've developed or continue to develop, I think is a very, very positive thing because uh, a, a lot of executives really know this, really know their onions, but they're not necessarily very good at communicating that to other people. Yeah, and one of the most exciting things that that I've come through. So my own background is in public company exploration, so really using investment bank ecosystem and sort of the public markets. So having having coming through this latest private tech financing, it's a very different world. But one of the most exciting things is I've spent a lot of time with tech investors, and tech investors know nothing about mineral exploration and mining. And if you, what we do as a sector, and when I say we, I mean the mining side. You, you, you take a PowerPoint, you jam it full of maps and, and cross sections. And those are just barriers to, to anybody who isn't already in sort of the mining investment ecosystem echo chamber. So what we've done is we put up these big blockers that don't allow people to understand the value of what we do. If you give a, if you give a, a tech uh, presentation to an investor, it's usually here's a problem, here's how I'm going to solve it. And anybody can really understand it. And mineral exploration is very different from that. But when we add a narrative and we kind of break it down and explain this is the kind of the elements of this cross section um, that you need to understand and how it applies to this in, in 3D and so on, it completely changes. And, and it was really exciting for me to go through. I would often demo our, our product to tech investors who know nothing about mineral exploration. And the response was right across the board was, oh, that's what you guys do. I never really understood that. To me, that's really exciting because there is we want to position this, this bridge of, of understanding to a whole new group of investors that haven't really been able to invest in our sector in the past. And, and I shouldn't say just investors, that's community groups or stakeholders or anyone who are we're kind of presenting what we do as a sector to. I think that's a fascinating and very prescient observation that, you know, putting up all these cross sections in geology slides can be a barrier to people, particularly who are a non-expert in geology or mining engineering or things like that. So presumably this part of, part of you know, Verify does is to help companies and CEOs communicate in a much better way. Yeah. And the other thing, like all of our content, you can take a verify interactive 3D presentation, click one button and record yourself going through it. So you can publish that voiceover and investor email or question or stakeholder question that comes in. Instead of trying to type out a response, you can respond 
with a, a video and it takes all of two minutes to create the animated video. But the elements of it all is when you start watching yourself present, it's you, you go through this sort of critiquing um, self-development process as well. And we're just starting to see the start of that. But but it's very different when I present to you and then I never watch it or, or anything else. When I can see how I'm presenting, it's very easy to point, like pick out in myself what I'm doing and where where there's gaps in my communication and so on. And I think if we if we start, if this continues to sort of catch fire and gain momentum, you're going to see it, a complete shift in the quality um, of engagement we see in communication across the mining sector. I really hope so, because I would say there's a, a, a definite lack of self-reflection and self-awareness. Um, people present, they just run through the presentation as standard, and that's it. They don't have an auto-feedback loop. Yeah, and that's not just mining. That's that's just humans in general. Yeah. Uh, now, uh, Steve, uh, you did uh, in the announcement, uh, you were talking uh, about uh, artificial intelligence, AI. Um, maybe you can talk about some applications of Verify or some examples in industry, uh, because, um, you know, there's all of that money and there's all that investment uh, that is going into uh, that, te- that tech. Uh I will. I'll start this by saying there's a there's a spectrum of people that believe sort of AI and where we are, where we sit in the hype cycle. And I'm I'm one of those ones that believes that there's sort of um, there's a lot of hype around AI, but a traditional hype cycle of any new technology or think of crypto or the internet or or anything else is sort of this gets really pumped up and then over a ten year period it sort of um, comes down and then you start the world applications. I'm a big believer there's a lot of hype behind it, but that because of the speed at which things are taking place that it's compressed and you're looking at sort of a 10 month period instead of a 10 year period. So I'm a big believer in AI in general. So when, when we look at the space, I think it's really exciting because I think we've seen a lot of ideas where it's AI driven mineral exploration um, using satellite imagery or core photos or other things and massive, massive data sets and putting those together to see patterns that can lead to new targets and things like that. These are all incredible concepts that I think the technology and just the computing power and the algorithms are finally catching up with. So there are there's no shortage of examples of companies doing that. I think we're about to see a big wave of, of success because I think that's what's really been missing in the space. A lot of great ideas and they're, they're sort of pockets of, of good news. But I, ha- I don't think we've seen this is a new tool that the industry uses for exploration or processing material or anything else. And I, I honestly think we're sort of months away from just seeing a, a, a total wave of that. Um, there are some there's some little things and and at it within verify as well and they're not as they're more on the communication side some of the ones the early ones we're looking at but little tiny things like when you meet with her over zoom you can have ai analyze your call and and get feedback right afterwards it says you you spoke too much you kind of you didn't listen enough you spoke 57.8 percent of the time and the ideal communication is 52.1 percent of the time or you didn't pause enough between there's little things like that which we haven't been able to do before which I think mining is an incredible industry that is not very good at communicating. And I think some of these tools that that we can use now with AI can just make us that much better at communicating as a whole Um, and not get into the energy transition in that side. But one thing we're seeing in mining now is there's never been an opportunity in the history of mining that there is right now where we have sort of the rallying of the entire world through this energy transition to get behind us. So it's, I, I feel like there's no time like the present for us to really get it together on how we communicate the outside world. 
Uh, in, in talking about examples, uh, I'll, I'll make this a little bit about myself, uh, Steve, but uh, talking about examples in the mining industry and communicating, we use a tool here at uh, Keiko called Descript, uh, which is uh, used for uh, doing our podcasts, but um, it will go through and uh, remove all of your uh, pause words, uh, all of your filler words, uh, your ahs and your ums and uh, things like that. Yeah. So uh, it uh, turns out it's uh, nothing that I've had to train myself to correct. It uh, The tool will take care of it for me. So. Uh, when you see that when you see you know I, I it's always about ai they say you know it find the dumb things uh that it can do yeah. and uh you know and you see some of those uh applications and it's just magic so the problem is if you use that script with me our 30 minute chat's going to be about minutes long when it's done if, if we start removing all the ums and ahs. <laughs> You've uh, been doing this for a while, uh, Steve, and uh, you're sharp on it. Uh, we talked at the uh, beginning, and it was a good time to have you in uh, because uh, Apple Vision uh, released this week its uh, augmented reality headset, although it didn't uh, use that phrase. Now, we've always seen in the past, we've seen at the shows, we've seen the VR headsets and the AR headsets uh, that have been there, and they've been kind of on and off and things like that as well, too. Um, talk about uh, AR. Do you see these? Uh, do you see these types of devices uh, actually having a place within industry? Uh, I, I personally do, um, but not in their current form. And the reason being is so Verify is is VRIFY. It's the VR for virtual reality. Also, we couldn't afford VVerify.com with an E. Uh, but it's because in the early days we had Verify, so you could take your phone in your Verify presentation, stick it in a headset, and then use that in. Um, uh, whether it's in a meeting or just sit at home and do it. And what we realized really quickly is like when you think of a, a, of a pitch or an in-person presentation or just even a discuss, just imagine that where we're all wearing headsets where we can't see each other. It's just, it doesn't work because it's uh, any pitch or it's, it's 70% the human connection. And, and I shouldn't say pitch, it's any discussion or conversation, 70% human connection. And that just completely destroys it uh, when you just have something blocking uh, that. So I, augmented reality is I'm a big fan of, I'm very bullish on it. I just still think they're too big because I think when we can get to a point, like remember the Google Glass a couple of years ago that came out and it was just a, a concept, but it looked very similar to the glass that Paul's wearing right now. I think when you can get to that point, it doesn't, uh, maybe he's got, maybe those are some special AR glasses actually. Um, but maybe, well, I think when we get to that point where it doesn't sort of impede the conversation and your ability to have a discussion and it can seamlessly integrate into how we communicate today, that's when I think that, um, uh, that's when I think that we'll be able to start seeing applications in the, in the real world. Whereas right now I, I'm really excited to try them out, but those are still big, bulky, expensive things. And if I'm say, like I think of it from from our applications, I'm not going to put three or four of those in a, in a briefcase, go to a meeting and then ask everyone to put those on so I can walk through my mining project. It's not just the practical applications aren't just it's just not that realistic. It, it was interesting, the two approaches. And then uh, another analyst is talking about saying that uh, he saw that uh, there's probably venues for both Meta as well as uh, there's uh, approaches uh, for Apple because um, uh, Apple has gone, it, it's made the best device possible uh, and uh, people were lauding uh, the uh, resolution that you had there, but uh, it is tethered to a battery that has on it. So 
you know, they continue to make the things kind of less accessible. And I will say it is kind of unusual, but um, we do have a um, we do have a quest uh, sitting around the house right now. And one of those, uh, you know, just in terms of using it, it, just picking it up is just the fact got to turn it on, got to put it on my head, got to make sure it's sitting right and all that stuff as well, too. When you can actually make them lighter, um, you know, you see that yeah. we'll probably get more uptake. We're the, we're the uh, exact same. I bought it, I bought one for Christmas. We used it twice, and it's been sitting in a box for I think a year since. Uh, you mentioned uh, raising money uh, in uh, the uh, tech sector. Uh, people that are outside the resource sector. Um, Steve, um, are young people uh, interested in mining? Uh, yes, they are. They don't. I think they they don't know they are in in some ways. Um, so we like could verify with the people, 50 of those don't have deep mining experience per se. So uh, probably 40 actually. So they come in and, and maybe have a tech background or something else. And the one thing we see, and, and we're sort of, we're not a mining company. We're a technology company that services the mining sector. One thing we see is that they're all, they're, they're quite fascinated by the sector and what the world lacks and continues to lack is this connection between sort of our computers that are made of metal in front of us and the, the mining sector. And how those and, and our cars and, and, and things like that, but as sort of that sort of realization, I've and we have uh, generally our team is is younger. Um, once that realization takes place, people are actually quite interested in the sector. They're not lining up. They're not lining up down the street to apply for jobs in the sector just yet. But one thing I'll say is like as the as the job market is, and and we've seen a massive shift in the last six months in sort of the level of interest you get in any positions and so on. I think what you're seeing is when, when you look at here's the sectors or here's where I want to work in and so on versus here's do I want to have a job or not, I think sort of people will, right now you're moving into this place where people just want to ensure that they have job security and so on. And I think that's naturally going to put a lot more people in the sector, not because they want to work in mining, but because they want to work in general. Um, but the nice thing is, and, and we've experienced this a lot, once they work for you and understand what our role, the role that the mineral and mining sector plays in the world, that's when they realize that so this may actually be a, a, a sector they want to grow into and expand their, their careers into as well. So, yeah, I, I don't think they're lining up the door just yet, but but I think as, as a whole, we're starting more interest. And, and when I say the last six months, we're looking at positions where that we used to fill and you'd be meeting with, you'd, you'd get 10 applicants, you'd be meeting with someone who has five other job offers. And we just had two recently and we had 500 applications for each position. So that, that shift is massive. It's taking place right now. Uh, you're a supplier to uh, the uh, mining industry being a tech company. Uh, Steve, um, and you've been at this for a couple of years. How does the shift look to you right now from uh, precious metals into critical metals? Um, yeah, it's, it's a good question. I, I think um, like anything, there's a natural gravitation to, to anything that has more interest in critical minerals just as a whole. There's just a lot more macro interest in it. And sort of the energy transition theme, a lot of people can buy into that. And when that happens, that's where you're seeing this natural shift to those of us. Like if I was going to go back into the mineral exploration sector, I would not start a gold or, or silver company. I would start a probably a nickel or copper um, company. And that's just because that's um, that's where the interest, that's where the interest lies. That's where invest, investors um, and interest lies as well. So I think it's I think it's really hard to pre predict. I don't think that the the case for gold or silver has changed at all. 
I think it's now, and it's not necessarily competing because it's not like there's some set restricted defined capital that can invest and we have to break that up between the two sectors. But I, I do think you're going to continue, continue to see more interest flow into the critical mineral side. Um, but, but that being said, like look at any sort of time in the past when precious metals have taken off, it happens on a dime. All of a sudden we spend three or spend three, four years talking about the case for gold. And then we wake up one day and it's a, it's a precious metals bull market. Hopefully it happens sooner than later, but I, it's really hard to predict when it, when it comes. Uh, in the fall, you announced, uh, we'll switch uh, to your uh, Integra Resources uh, hat, uh, Steve. Uh, in the fall, the, um, <laughs> sorry, in the spring, uh, there was announced uh, during the BMO conference uh, where you got together with uh, Jason's uh, Millennial and uh, the two are together now. Um, updates on Integra? Yeah, so I was the chairman uh, of Integra Resources. Jonas was the CEO and then, and then Jason Kosick, the CEO of Millennial. Um, uh, they, they came together and, and there was a $35 million raise that took place at the same time and Silver Wheaton came in and, and, and took a big slug of that as well. Um, it's, it's an exciting story to see come together, but you're still within a market that um, you're still doing it within a market that is just you, investors are looking for more reasons to sell than to buy. So like that, that company, that story with the cash balance it has and everything else. Now, I don't think there's ever been a more exciting time in its history. It's the, the thing is it's chipping away lines of production which is the kind of number one way aside from expiration discoveries and so on to add value. It's also the most boring. So um, as it gets closer and closer to permitting and, and so on, it's that that project becomes more valuable every day. Um, part of me thinks George just didn't want me to be chairman anymore. And cause he took the executive chairman's seat through this transaction and I'm the lead director. So that's the, that's the conspiracy theory in all of this, that this is just a, an opportunity for him to get me out of that seat. Cause he didn't like me sitting, uh, sitting above him, but, to, to be determined. Uh, I think also maybe you tall people actually like to uh, congregate uh, in uh, the same organizations because uh, I know that uh, Jason is quite a tall fellow. So um, yeah, let's... There's, there's actually one thing I'll say to that. There's an organization in the, in the States that's a tall person's mining club in it. It's, they get together every year at Diggers in Perth. And it's not it's not male only, but I think from, for guys, it's 6'6 six, six or 6'8. Six, so Jason actually wouldn't make the cut for that one. <laughs> <laughs> Let's turn to our number of the week. Guest always goes first. Uh, Steve, what's your number? 47. Let us know what is 47. You know, it's, you know, it's funny. So when you sent, when you sent a note out about the number of the week, um, I thought I would just give you the number and then you'd tell me something interesting about, about the number 47. So I'm realizing now that I, I was <laughs> come up to the <laughs> So what's the what? The, so I came up. I'll just tell you why I came up with the number. I don't have an interesting stat about forty-seven, but a, a friend of mine um, uh, who's forty-seven years old last, uh, or who's forty-seven years old, uh, hosted an event last night, a musical bingo, and it was he's a he's a property developer, and he just decided to throw a party and uh, hosted musical bingo, and uh, I sent him a text this morning to. Uh, ask him how old he was so I would find out what point in my life when I go through this stage where I feel like I need to host kind of random music bingo bars as well. This is uh, the second week in a row that we've actually had a birthday themed uh, number uh, from uh, our guest. Uh, last week was, um, uh, last week was, um, uh, help me out here. <laughs> yeah, Doug Ramshaw, who was uh, talking about, uh, he was uh, going to go uh, see uh, Jim uh, Patterson, uh, Patterson, Patterson, uh, Patterson, correct, uh, at uh, Discovery Group uh, celebrate uh, yeah. Jim's uh, 50th. So, uh, Paul, what's your number? 
My number is 460,000. And uh, that's the hectares that have been burned so far in the Quebec forest fires. There's uh, at least 149 fires blazing in the province. So pretty serious. Uh, my number is two, and uh, I'm going to be stepping over uh, something that uh, Paul is uh, going to be hosting his conference next week. Uh, this number comes from SOAR Financial. $482 million has been raised for resources financings year to date. Now, the sector is looking bleak right now, but uh, this number is a bit, how would you say, uh, the two is a number that is, um, how would you say, a little bit more bullish or shines a little bit more light. Uh, the year-to-date total surpasses total financings for the years 2013 and 2015. So we're not having the bleakest year, uh, considering that uh, we're still the years unfinished and we've raised $482 million, which surpasses 2013 and 2015. Uh, that's it for us. Uh, Steve, uh, anything that you want to highlight happening at Integra or at uh, Verify over the next 12 months? No, uh, from Verify, the only thing I'll say is just keep an eye on what you see as a big transition in all these these company web websites you see where you're going to move from interactive presentations that you can click through to um, uh, video walkthroughs and so on. So um, the nice thing about video is you, you can put it on social, you can do everything with it. So just the only thing I'd say is, up, get ready. You're about to see a lot of Verify content um, hit the world. And hopefully we can continue down this path of helping the world understand what we actually do as a sector. Paul Harris, you have a show next week. Yes, the, the CGS event in Quito in Ecuador on Monday and Tuesday. We'll have 40 presentations over two days focusing on copper and gold exploration development projects plus all the country and political risk aspects. That's it for us. You can contact me at Michael McCray on Twitter. That's McCray of two C's. Paul is at Paul Harris Gold. Steve, how do you want people to get a hold of you? At Verify Technology on Twitter. Or you can always chase us down on LinkedIn as well. My name is Michael McRae. On behalf of Steve DeJong and Paul Harris, have a pleasant weekend.